This is Pod Populi, podcast for the people. Hi, my name is Dr. Sarah Adams. I am a board-certified pediatrician, but I'm not your pediatrician. Feel free to use my podcast as helpful information, but in no way do I intend my podcast to replace the advice of your physician. Your physician knows you and is in the best position to provide medical advice. Hello, and welcome to Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. If you've been listening to my podcast, you know that one of my missions is just to help parents be their best version of themselves so that they can help their children. And in this time that we're all experiencing, it is difficult. I mean, I used to think that taking care of kids was like swimming, you know, and all of a sudden you're trying to tread above water and then somebody keeps handing you different things and it gets harder and harder. Well, I had the opportunity as a pediatrician during one of the conferences that I attended to hear about a program called Ohio Guidestone. And Ohio Guidestone has been devoted to helping those in need by providing services that meet the challenges of the day. I love that. I actually read that from their website. They provide and their brand's message is, with compassion and respect, Ohio Guidestone helps people across the lifespan navigate the most difficult times in their lives. As the state's leaders in community behavioral health care, they focus on the needs of the whole person, empowering them to take steps towards a healthier future. Well, I am so honored today to have two wonderful people who have joined me in the studio, Christina Ryan and Brittany Pope. And they are from Ohio Guidestone, and they're joining me today to talk about Ohio Guidestone and how... It is helping families across Ohio. Their main campus is in Berea, but they have they serve over 30,000 people across the state. And so I would like to introduce both Christina and Brittany, and I'm going to let them tell each tell them tell all of you a little bit more about themselves. So Christina, you want to start? Sure. Um, So my name is Christina Ryan, and I'm a supervisor at Ohio Guidestone. Um, I've been with the organization for almost seven years now, and I got my start there as an early childhood therapist. Um, So I did community-based in-home therapy with kids birth through six. Um, I've done stuff with pretty intense trauma cases, and I'm a certified play project consultant as well. So I've gotten to serve a lot of different people in a lot of different ways. Um, I'm also an associate fellow out of our research institute, which is the Institute um, for Family and Community Impact. And with that, I train for Joyful Together, which is something that Brittany and I will be talking more about today. Yes, I I will say to everyone, I didn't even realize, I mean, I feel sad to say as a pediatrician that I wasn't even aware of Ohio Guidestone. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get you guys on the show, because I really want to spread awareness and let people know that these resources are out there and you're not alone. And I love that your mission is about the whole person and just having a better day. And uh, so, Brittany, tell us about more about you. 
Alrighty. Um, thank you for having us. I am Brittany Pope. I am Ohio Guidestones Assistant Vice President of Applied Clinical Sciences and Research. And I am the fellow and I lead our Institute of Family and Community Impact, which is Ohio Guidestones Center of Excellence for Research, Clinical Training and Innovation and Advocacy. And we're we're really proud that not only do we provide really, really sound, progressive, um, you know, trauma-informed and science-responsive uh, mental health care that ranges from prevention, consultation, uh, intervention treatment, which is inclusive of substance use uh, care, and just helping people wherever they might fall on the path of recovery. Not only do we just stop there, we do things where we're like, well, how do we make sure we are taking what we're learning, especially in a community based applied setting, you know, not necessarily a hospital setting and not really, you know, the community outpatient setting, but really intense, really implied right there, literally in folks homes, in libraries and schools, different community spaces. What are we learning literally on the ground working with families? And so one of the cool things that I love about being a part of Ohio Guidestone and bringing my expertise in is I am a um intersectional and uh, critical uh, framework researcher. And the intersectionality piece is really big because it really asks and provokes us to not do research on, not come in and say, oh, we're just giving you services. But no, we're coming into care. And not only are we coming in thinking that the caring is we're coming in, you know, saving the day. <laughs> no, so many people at Ohio Guidestone, they work there because of the mission. They work there because they literally could be one of our clients or one of our patients or they know a family member. And I think of that, about that for myself. I'm not a clinician, but I think about I have family members. I could very well be a client, my daughter, my children. Um, and so, so many people, whether you're in finance, whether you are in communications and of course, our folks who are doing our direct care work. They are bringing that perspective and we get to learn so much of, all right, we talk about evidence informed and research informed and evidence based work. What does that really look like in real life? And where we serve, we serve across several different communities throughout Ohio. And Ohio is always cool to me as a researcher. I'm like, ah, this is the bomb sample, right? Yeah. We got urban, we got suburban, we got urban, suburban, we got rural, we got suburban, rural. Then we have flatlands, then we have Appalachia, which is its own very, very unique, you know, cultural, historical uh, area to be respected. And it's like, wow, it is a lot to think about in Ohio. And us at Ohio Guidestone, I like to say it's like a big T. We cross kind of like, you know, border uh, outside of Toledo, border outside of Ashtabula, and then from Cleveland all the way down to Columbus. We serve so many different communities and the majority of the families that we are serving, um, they are Medicaid recipients. So some of that might tell you that there is some economic oppression and marginalization and maybe some other criteria that, um, you know, makes them eligible. So we already know that folks are dealing with several intersections of need under resource, whether historically, currently, st structurally, systemically. And then we also know that there's the cultural responsiveness, right? And I love to be able to bring that perspective with the Institute and what you said at the beginning, introducing uh, the agency. It's the whole person. It's not just what we studied and, you know, measured with, uh, you know, T-scores and P-values and Z-scores. But what does that look like every day for a mom who has a kiddo who's struggling as a one-year-old and doesn't even know that we have something called infant and early childhood mental health? What does that look like as someone where, you know, you're a male and maybe you're a black male and that's like several layers of stigma, uh, 
that we're dealing with in our society, where do you go to get care that's going to be respectful, that's going to be responsive? It's not going to say like, well, act like this group of people and you'll get better. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, right? No, but also folks that are giving quality care. We're not just coming in and billing your insurance or coming in and billing our grants and our, our contracts, but we're coming in to care and care with you, learning from you, being with you. And one of the biggest things that I love and one of the um, coolest areas of science that we look to translate is a framework that talks about interpersonal neurobiology. Wow. It's the with. I need to co-regulate with you. Child, with. mother, father. Child. It doesn't matter. Maybe I, maybe I have walking issues, but even if I haven't, how do we take that science where we know, like, if I giggle, one of y'all are going to giggle. If I yawn at this table, one of y'all is going to yawn. We know that neurobiologically we're connected as humans. Yeah. How do we apply that every day? And I have goosebumps now. How do we apply that every day in the work we do? How do we sit with people? How do we spend time with them? Still giving clinical care because we're all about giving clinical care. We are a healthcare uh, delivery organization. But how do we sit with people, lower stigma, help people with recovery, and not just recycle and say, like, your symptoms are better. Go on out there and run back into that brick wall. No, it's social determinants too. And then that comes in my last favorite part, the advocacy. And so in addition to the applied science training, innovation and research with the Institute that I get to contribute and partner with so many great people, it's the advocacy. How do we get this word out other places? How do we get invited to a conference or to Dr. Sarah's podcast? Because we don't want just good work only to be for folks who happen to step foot in Ohio Guidestone or happen to be in one of the schools we serve. How do we get this out in the field? But also, how do we get this out into the fourth layer that I have my personal theory? Um, P cubed. How do we impact people the way we practice our programs, but policy? Policy ah. on the street level, all the way up to the legislative level. Yeah. How do we make change for people to change these systemic, these structural and historic barriers? Because we are all about wellness for the whole person, not just checking off symptoms. When we talk about symptoms, we talk about functionality. But how do we get ourselves better for our next generations and build wealth in our health and build vitality? So that's a little bit about me, a little bit about what we do. And um, really happy to be here to tell you about one of our innovations, particularly Joyful Together, which is one of the most simplest things that has so much beautiful, complex science behind it. So yeah. really excited. Thank you for having us. Well, you know, there's so many messages that I'm getting from everything that you're saying. And it really resonates with me because we can give information, but if we're not meeting people where they're at and know what their barriers are, know what their stories are, then how are we going to expect them to be able to follow through? And that's one of the things I know for me, I'm definitely working on because it's so easy for me to say, take this medicine or do this or call this person. I'm assuming they've got a phone to do that, you know? So I love that you're looking at those social determinants and also meeting people where they're at. Like so many times research, we think whenever we think of research, I, of course I'm old. So I think of the lab, you know, I think of <laughs> that or people that are, you know, on their computers and they're working, but your work, your research, your advocacy, everything that you do is where the people are at. And that's it's so important. Them. And it elevates their strengths because a lot of times, you know, we think about the social determinants and 
it's a it's a heavy two edged sword that I'd like to talk about because there are some things that are under resourced. There's no way around it, right? Yeah. But oftentimes when we talk about uh, racialized uh, or you know we call it uh, racial class uh, segregated or racial class marginalized groups, um, oftentimes we hear the deficits and it's like ah yeah 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 we do have to think about that. But then it's like first off we're coming into people's spaces assuming that they want what we have. That's so true. that so one checking ourselves at the door and two assuming that what we have is going to be the right way. I tell people all the time, like as a funny thing, my daughters, um, a beautiful 10 year old and a seven year old, they love any dish that's chicken and rice. Pick a cuisine, you know, pick a, you know, ethnic or or, you know, a nation across the world. And they really love chicken and rice. Yeah. But they're starting to pick up and talk about the differences. And they're like, oh, no, I want chicken and rice from Senorita Bonita's versus <laughs> this place or that place. And so. I use that example, you know, kind of silly, but oh, it's my everyday life <laughs> with a seven year old and a 10 year old. Who are you? But I think about it. It's like, wait, but I, I can make chicken and rice like the bomb. I cook really well. And they're like, yeah, that's nice, mommy. We would like this because of that. And so I think about that, like, you know, we don't take a negatively personal, personally negative, but do people want what we're offering and remembering that it's us and we. Ah, can we tweak what we're doing? Can we grow what we're doing? Can we be informed by people? And so many times, especially in the world of psychological sciences and healthcare, um, we've asked people like behave like this circle. And if you're not in this circle, there's something wrong. Of course you have disparities. And it's like, wait, did we look at what made groups so resilient? Did we look at their protective factors? Did we look at their positive factors? And that is the lens that I work to bring in along with so many other people, but especially as research when we're doing our work on Joyful Together, what did the parents say? I mean, we know what the science says. We know what the brain science says when we're doing our work with our father's feelings. What did those dads say? And even agency-wide, we've recently, um, well, we're can always continually uh, revising our outcome measures. Hey, is, is measuring anxiety important to every client? Or do they want to measure something else? Or like, yeah, they want to measure anxiety, but you know what? I really have goals to measure my sleep too. I really had goals for, you know, this, that, or the other. How can we make sure we're putting that on paper as well? So really looking to meet people where they at with all the strengths they have, but recognizing that, hey, they have some needs and we don't know everything either. Learning from them, but also learning on their behalf too, to continue to improve our craft. And in case anybody has forgotten, uh, it's 2023, right? Like yeah. we're living in the third year going through whatever the after effects are going to be now of a pandemic. We got to keep growing and learning because so many more people need um a focus on social emotional health, but also taking a step back and say like, ah, let's, let, let, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Some of these things that we're talking about aren't new. They're just newer for more communities, newer for folks that aren't marginalized, maybe for communities and cultures that um, our structures have been built to favor. And so, yeah, we're going to make some changes. Yeah. Now everyone's sounding an alarm. Oh my goodness. We got to do social emotional learning in school. And the, we, we kind of always have needed that, right? So yeah. kind of taking taking everything and putting, in, in, putting it into perspective. And I think it's so important. I love what you said, and I want to point it out because I think it's important for everyone to realize. But that is also like what we think that they need and what they actually need or looking or what's most important for them. You don't know unless you ask that question. And so as parents as patients don't be afraid you know yes this 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 but there might 
you know, and as, as providers and wherever you're at, don't be afraid of all the things we've talked about. What is the most important thing to you? And I, I'm often surprised, you know, I think, oh, they're really worried about this or that, like the headache or the stomach ache. And what they're most worried about is, you know, being off work because their child is sick. But if you don't ask that question, you're not going to know and you're not going to really meet all the needs. So when you brought that up, you know, sometimes it's like we know what's what we think is good yes. for them. They your job and what it sounds like you're doing and I hear you saying is that you're finding out too what what is what's important to them. Yes. Person-centered care for sure. Yeah, I'd love Making that. For sure it's meeting what they need and what they want. Um, you know, I think about my supervision times with some of my staff and one of the biggest running themes we've been talking about recently is just like, sure, you might be the expert on XYZ therapy and that's awesome. Um, but that person is the expert on their themselves yes. and also yes. their child if you're treating a kid yes. and you have to meet there and identify what's important for them and what's their goal and how do you meet their needs where they're at from a place of strengths, honestly? Yeah, I think that's great. You're right. Parents and families, you know, anybody that takes care of others yes. should realize that, you know, they're, they are the experts for their family. And that's what you're trying to build is teaching them tools and so that they can be the experts, you know. Um, and I talked about that on previous podcasts because I always feel a little bad when I say, look, especially in early childhood, that what we're going to do is basically teach the teacher, you know, so that they can help their one-year-old or two-year-old on and how to manage it. Doesn't mean they're doing anything wrong. We just want to make things better. You know, we're just we're not trying to be perfect. We're just trying to master things as well as yes. we can because there's so much pressure on all of us. Well, tell me more about Joyful Together. Right. I love that name. So that is the perfect segue. Um, we really uplift the model of coaching, uh, coaching the coaches, right? So uh, I use a sports mind. analogy, yes. <laughs> a sports analogy of, you know, I, I'm a ball player. Uh, so excited. Okay. Local history for one second. Congrats, yeah. LBJ. I was or, just thinking yes, that. Right. Isn't that amazing? But think about the folks who have coached LeBron from childhood all the way to now being this amazing, mind-blowing record, record holder. But yeah. he still gets coached. But he still has all those strengths, those expertises in, uh, you know, he works his craft. He does the work all day, every day. But he has a coach. And the coach's job isn't to let me show you how to do what you do. Because um, most coaches are not LeBrons, right? <laughs> um, but they have a skill that they bring and they're collaborating with. And most times what I think about for a coach is they are highlighting and elevating something that maybe you don't see. You don't have the time, the space. You don't have, like, the perspective but it's something that you have. And so that's the fun part about Joyful Together. Joyful Together, it adds easy to do activities to everyday moments between parents. And a lot of times people are excited. They're like, yes, because parents don't know how to have joy. Or I work with parents who are traumatized. They've never had joy. And I'm like, oh, pause. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, Joyful Together is a coaching program that's parent implemented, focuses on all the neurobiology and the affective processing sciences that says, look, Play and care put together makes joy that builds resiliency. It builds literal brain development, right? How we know the brain scaffolds. And then it builds strengths that help address ACEs, adverse childhood experiences and community environments, right? But also giving space for parents to be like, 
P.S. You don't need no special tools. You don't got to have special language. You don't even need a degree or have to be a clinician. We really are just kind of showing you ways that, hey, let me coach you a little bit. I, I, I know I, I saw the way you uh, shot that shot. Put your elbow in a little bit, right? Like, see what happens. Just and little back tweaks. And tell me, right? There are spaces in our everyday routines to add more joy and play. Um, I think all of us around the table, either mother or parents, deal with children. Um, I'm sure all of us have had to overcome this hump of, oh, I got permission to play with my kid. Like, play is important. Yeah, play is important. And and the more we tell people that, the more they're able to say, like, oh, the more we're able to tell dads, P.S. dads, do you know how great you all are, stereotypically speaking, at play? And do you know that that's just as important as breastfeeding or the way you feed a kid? And it's like, really? And then it's like, let's talk about the ways that you can squeeze in in everyday moments. Three seconds, three minutes. You don't have to have special tools. We're not asking you to be perfect. But we're like, look, this is how powerful play with a caregiver is. Not making sure kids got toys because I think we do a good job at like, oh, kids got to play. Look at them over there playing. Mm -mm. It's us and with. Yes, and we yes. like to say often joyful together. People are like, oh, it's so great for the kids. And I'm like, ah, let me tell you about our first two research subjects. Um, myself and uh, one of our my partner in crime, I say, who's not here, uh, Holly. Uh, we were the first two uh, research subjects. Does this work with mom life? Wow. For real, for real. Yeah. Can we translate it? And then we had a chance to partner with folks like Christina. Like, does this work in ECMH? Does it work in mom life also? Um, and then I'll pass to Christina. And the last thing I want to say, introducing joyful is... Yeah, we know that it works because the people who need to regulate their bodies are not just the little humans. It's the adults. Yes. It is the parents. It is us. And what we know about, um, you know, feedback cycles is the more you play, the more you want to play, the more love you get, the more love you want to get. And so in children, they're like, play. Yeah. Well, yeah. What else am I supposed to do? Right. But us as adults. It's the care, it's the oxytocin, it's, you know, the love hormone, it's the flooding of your body with endorphins. And of course, we're not walking in. I don't walk around talking about endorphins and oxytocin every day. <laughs> but the science behind it, it comes out in everyday feelings when you're like, wow, I, I played a game instead of kind of losing my temper a little bit. Wow, I'm a lot less stressed doing this. Hold up, I need to do more of this and I need to on purpose make time for it. Yeah, I call those happiness chemicals a lot of times, <laughs> you know, because I... I I mean, even though I'm a, a medical doctor, you know, medication is like the last thing I really want to use. Oh. So I, I talk a lot about, you know, like you said, the things that you can do to release those what I call happiness chemicals, because that's what really counts. So I love that you are mentioning, you know, the oxytocin and the endorphins because they are there are happiness chemicals and they it can be as simple as a hug. You know, but definitely play plays a big role in it and it benefits everybody. So, yeah. Christina, what were you going to say about Joyful? Yeah. Um, one of the things that excites me the most about Joyful Together is I think it, well, Joyful coaches can help parents and grownups or whoever the big person is in that dyad recognize that you can use this and do it in any part of your day. Mm -hmm. um, so not all play is silly. And mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be silly to be play. And it doesn't have to be silly to have that really beautiful co-regulation that we're striving for um, when Joyful Together coaches come in to give them these starter activities. So you can intertwine it in any portion of your day. And that's what we want people to do. Um, and that's why we call them starter activities. So the coach comes in 
and they give the dyad a starter activity and they take it and run and then they come back and they talk about what went well and what didn't go well and then they pick other ideas to try the next time. Um, so I'm just thinking about, I was telling Brittany a couple of days ago, I, I got home from work. I have two very little kids. Um, one will be two tomorrow and one is three. So Aww. two under two. <laughs> um, and I got home from work late and I was grumpy because I got stuck in traffic because I was leaving downtown Cleveland at like five o'clock, which is a terrible idea. And I walked in the door and like people were screaming and like dinner wasn't done and like the cat was meowing and I was like, I want to go back to work. This is terrible. And I stopped myself and my daughter was like, mommy, we should play some hide and seek. I was like, you know what? Yes, we should play some hide and seek. And we spent five minutes playing hide and seek and it just completely reset the mood and was such a wonderful reminder to me of how much co-regulation is important. Um, So we played some extreme hide and seek and then we sat down and we had dinner and we moved on to our evening. And it made me think even more about like our nighttime routines and how we implement using joyful activities within those too, um, just to co-regulate down, if that makes sense, like yeah. bring the energy down, calm our bodies down. How do we do that in a way that's also co-regulatory? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I know in my office, I, I get a lot of questions about sleep. And we know that when caregivers are getting sleep, when their kids are getting sleep, it, it just it creates a better day the next day. And I call it the readiness. They're ready for the day better. You know, they're, um, they're learning. We're all less anxious. There's so many benefits from sleep. And I think it's really underrated, you know, Mm. and, and because I get a lot of people that come in and say, well, he sleeps a lot. And I'm like, well, how much? And actually it's really good. So especially in those early years, because I think I always say people have heard me say this probably a hundred times is that you can't make them eat. You can't make them sleep. <laughs> you can't make them poop. Exactly. Right. Am I yes, right? Those yeah. Three things. So I, I think you brought up a really good subject and that is transitioning, transitioning, helping kids transition from school, from, you know, into tra- the kids welcoming the parents back in. I remember when I would come home, my kids could be perfect little angels all day. But as soon as I walked in the room and I'm thinking there's some people out there that are raising their hands, like that's exactly how it is. You know, I walk in the room and all of a sudden it's mayhem, you know, and whoever was there taking care of them, whether it's a family member or a a babysitter, even my husband, he would be like, they are fine until you walked in the room. And I thought, what is wrong with me then? You know, but it's, it's a transition, right? That's that they're welcoming now that family in. And, and so I'd love to hear, I mean, a little bit about how you work with families about different transitions. Yeah. So what I think about is the brain's response when it's feeling threatened, right? So transitions, even happy transitions. So mom coming home, super exciting. Everyone loves when mom comes home, right? Um, But you think about a little person who's been through a lot maybe in their life and their brain has been altered because of that. 
and they're being triggered by that transition because it's something sudden and it's something unexpected, even if it's a happy thing. And they're having that fight, flight, freeze, faint happen wow. and they're exploding. Right. Yeah. Um. So when you're building that positive co-regulation into those transitional moments, it can ease that. And like we talked about earlier, it releases the happy chemicals in your brain and it is physically addictive quite similarly to using drugs. It hits those same receptors in your brain. So when you're building positive, intentional co-regulation into those times of transition, um, it can really ease little ones' big feelings about them. And it makes it something that's expected. And it makes it something um, that's less scary. So my, my oldest, she'll be four in April. She started preschool this year. Um, and she was 11 months old when the pandemic hit. So she didn't leave the house and hasn't really been around other kids yet. So preschool was the first time she was going to be really away from me. And my mom is our caregiver when we're away at work. So she's not with mommy. She's not with daddy. She's not with her brother. And she's not with her gammy. She's having some big feelings. Yeah, I would imagine. So first day for preschool, you know, I drop her off and we kind of spun off of a joyful activity. That's why we call them starters. And we always used to do like wizard kisses, which is where you just kiss and you zap it to somebody to say goodbye. Oh, Um, so when I was leaving for work in the morning, (laughs) we would do, she calls them zaps. And then she asked me like, can we have zaps at school? And I said, absolutely. We can have zaps at school. So every morning before she walks into her preschool classroom, you know, I get down on her level. She looks at my eyes. We give each other a little zap and she gives me a really big hug and then says, can I hug you while you're gone? And I said, absolutely. And then I'll get home from work and she'll be like, did you feel my zaps when I was missing you, mommy? And I'll be like, yeah, did you feel mine too? Um, So it's five seconds before I drop her off for school and it's made the world of difference for her. And I know I've seen that in my work um, with parents and their kids too, just building in those um, co-regulatory experiences and transitions really helps. And so speaking of Christina's work, um, so Wizard Kisses is a, a go-to transition for us. So my youngest um, was uh, three at the time and uh, Christina Ryan, wonderful ECMH therapist, happened to be doing um, our early care and education. So ECE, um, technical assistance in the classroom. So we, d- we do that um, very much so in Cuyahoga County, uh, probably one of the largest providers doing that, like all in the classrooms. And Christina happened to be doing TA in my kiddos class. So for me, it was beautiful uh, to know that Christina was already on the joyful team. Like we yeah. hadn't trained that site yet as ECE because we got it home visiting. Parents do it on your own. If you're ECE at the library, we're working on training pediatricians. So it was so beautiful to me to know uh, there's a window like this in my three-year-old's classroom where we would do the wizard kisses. Some days it was longer, some days shorter. And for me, it was beautiful because it helped me with my regulation. Like, this is a day I got to go. Oh my gosh. And I know you're going to feel this energy. Let me calm down like in five seconds. And I'm going to expect this three-year-old to calm down before I walk around in this class. And it's like, ah, see you later. I'll be back at 430. And it was like, wait, wait, wait. We had built this capacity, even if it was a quick regulatory. I'm like, hold on, mommy. And it was a reminder to me, I have time to do a wizard kiss. Yeah. I don't care. Like, I got time to do a wizard kiss because I, I need it as a, you know, a, a big girl. She needed it. But what was beautiful for me for the transition, knowing that there also was another person in that room who knew that we did wizard kisses, Aww. too. Yeah. And 
I think about that so much, right? And so when we talked about the coaching and kind of like I, you know, threw that in there, my shameless plug, right? Like Joyful Together, parents can get after Joyful Together on their own, right? Getting the book, getting the material, they can get it maybe as a part of, um, you know, home visiting, help me grow. Or if they are doing therapy services, family services, um, you know, pediatrician offices, we're trying to make sure there's quick things. And so even transitions from the waiting room, what are you going to do in that room? I have, um, so I have two miracle daughters. My 10 year old was born at 23 weeks and my seven year old was born at 31 weeks. Wow. So the 23 weeker, you know, it's some unconscious memories that are very dramatic um, of physician's office there. And even at 10, you know, she's, I'm 5'10", she's five feet at 10. So even as a big girl, right, you know, it's, it's tough when other people kind of like, I call it the, the 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 target spotlight stare where you're like, oh my God, everybody's looking at me. My child is like five feet. And I know that they think that she's probably like 12 and she's on the temper tantrum. Why isn't she acting? I have to remind myself like, co-regulate, co-regulate, co-regulate. Because if you're worried about what somebody else thinks over this one, and then instead of me melting down, I'm like, what if we do a quick activity? And so like Christina said, so many of the activities, they're starters, right? Like pick it up, whatever your 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 vibe is. And the hand games, like the Miss Mary Mac, the slide. My girls know those like 30 years later from when I knew them. And we do those really quickly in the waiting room. And then when we get in the uh, you know office, we're doing some joyful together activities. And of course, it's a pediatrician's office. It's beautiful. It looks like a bee, just animals on the wall. But it has shots. You but know, it so. has shots. <laughs> and my 10-year-old is like, I know I know, Dr. Joyce is giving me a shot. And I'm like, no. She's like, I know I'm getting a shot. There's nothing you can do. No hugs. Even with my husband, you know, they're daddy's girls. But a joyful together moment, it helps. And for us, it helps in that moment. But it also helps because we've been building this capacity. Joyful together, um, for me, when we first were even just toying around with the idea, um, I was trying to get my relationship back with my daughter. So my 10 year old at the time was three. I had just started this beautiful job here. I had a like, you know, eight month old and I had spent um, a little over three months of very strict bed rest for my youngest daughter, um, our pregnancy and a month in uh, the hospital, two weeks of my bed rest and, you know, almost two weeks of the NICU and then home. But there was a difference. There was something that changed. You know, mommy was gone. Yeah. She was well taken care of, but I noticed she wasn't following directions. She would look at me and walk away. And I'm like, uh-uh, that's, we don't, I'm a little progressive, but that doesn't fly for our, our family culture now. And so I happened to bring it up to my supervisor who, um, Dr. Van Carney uh, is our chief clinical officer and like, you know, the brain that like brought this up to all of us. Um, he's like, oh, go play games with her. And I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm. that's not a culturally appropriate response when I said that she's not following directions because she needs to follow directions. He said, try it. So the next day I said, hey, Imani, let's play the uh, instructions game. And I'm like, ha, 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 I tracked her. And then the next day she came up to me in the kitchen. She's like, mommy, can we play the instructions game? And I was like, okay, it worked. And that's how I regained, I can write, that's how I regained my relationship with my child. That's how I didn't lose her because I'm like, well, I guess I'll just be a good mom. And when she's an adult, I'm saying this, she's at three. Yeah. Guess I'll be a good mom. She's been through trauma. I've been through trauma. She got aces. We got like, it's so much of life going on, even with well-situated things, right? Um, it's so much life that goes on, but I actually reclaimed my motherhood using Joyful Together. So I always tell that story and I'm like, Brittany, I, like that sounds dramatic, but it is the truth. 
being able to have these co-regulatory moments and then build that capacity to now my daughter, she trusts like if she comes into our room at night. So true story, Christina was helping me with this yesterday. You know, she's 10. She's experiencing, you know, something, right? She can't sleep at night. Um, but can, can we do a joyful activity? And for her, my 10 year old's joyful activity is something that's quiet, something that's she likes being tickled, but then it drives her wild. Right. It's like, OK, we got to do nonsensory overload versus the little one is like, let's do Eskimo kisses, back trace, face trace, you know, wizard kisses, burrito baby. My 10 year old, although she's getting older, is something different that she needs. But she mostly needs joyful together actually at night. Okay. To feel safe, to feel calm. She doesn't want to sleep with us. She wants to sleep with the dark. She wants to, you know, be in her own space. And we're like, make it make sense. Like, well, what do we do? So now we just do joyful activities. And she tells us she feels safe. Wow. And so it's like, you know, Christina and I talk about this all the time. At three, she couldn't tell us these things. You know, a one-year-old, they're not verbalizing these things. Um, but even as adults, sometimes we're not verbalizing things either. But instead of me being frustrated and saying, go to bed, you're going to be tired. Of course, I'm thinking about the important things. You're going to be so tired in the morning. Then you're not. Da, 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 da. I calm myself down, too, by doing joyful together. And it's just it, it builds an environment of peace in our home. Um, so, yeah, that's yeah. joyful and sleep in <laughs> right our research. Right. And I'm sitting here, of course, listening and kind of creating these remember, remembering these stories in my head when you were talking about. Oh, what is somebody going to think of me? And it, it, I had like a flashback of like the grocery store, you yes. know, and, and yes. one of my kids just totally wig it out. Yes. And, and I, I always say you can't fight fire with fire. And that's what you're talking about with co-regulation, because if you want them to calm down, you've got to calm down. So what I'd like to know is how do people find out? about you guys? Like, tell us, how can the people out there that are listening say, this sounds amazing and it's something I need? And I know I'm asking you multiple questions, but mm -hmm. also, is it affordable? Because, and I know they're, if you could see us all right now, they're looking at me like, absolutely. So how do people get a hold of you guys, find out about it, get involved? How do they pay for it and be able to do it. Um, I'd love to know more about that. That's a hard one to answer. I know. I asked you a lot of questions. Um, Why don't we start heart, with how they, can, how they can so, learn more about yeah. your programs? Um, Let's start there. Ohio Guidestone has an awesome website. Okay. And also Joyful Together has its own website as well. Um, JoyfulTogether.org. So you can okay. start there and that is free. And um, there are actually sample activities there. Okay. Um, there are videos. And then we actually also have a parent book. Um, and it's 20 bucks. However, we are working to spread Joyful Together to where we are uh, you know, getting uh, contracts or grants to where we can equip pediatrician offices to be like, hey, put up these little Joyful Together QR code kits. We're in the waiting room. Scan this on your phone. In the doctor's office, scan this on the phone. And you got a lot to talk about. Hey, here's this quick thing. Try it at home. Right. Yeah. Whether we are able to get a grant or either like, you know, contract with a doctor's officer and they're like, hey, we want to purchase 500 bucks so we can hand them out for free. Um, Joyful Together, uh, at least in Cuyahoga County, um, child librarian, child and family librarians are trained. And there's a Joyful Together main manual in every Cuyahoga County library. Wow. Um, and then if you are a child and family service provider, whether you are a church, a mosque, a temple, 
Um, you got, you know, after school event, mental health or physical health care, um, ECE, um, you know, child care, family enrichment centers. We're working to train those individuals so that it's segued into services there or either they have the resources to give out to families as well. So I would say for parents, easiest is the website. Follow us on Facebook. Okay. Um, and I would say, you know, ask ask your provider about it. Like, hey, is some of this joy stuff, joy together stuff with these Ohio guys? Some people are like, what is that? Where is that? Um, and then I also would say, like, for folks who want to embed this into what they're doing. So right now we have been really blessed to partner with Ohio Department of Health and their home visiting um, programming where last year and this year we're training all home visiting professionals Wonderful. to be able to add this to what they're doing. Um, we have um, an innovation that focuses on the health of fathers in the perinatal stage to raise paternal equity, but also to respond to perinatal paternal depression. A lot of peas there. Yeah, that's a good point. Yes. And that has Joyful Together Embedded because as we said, fathers are looking for where do I belong? And we're like, this, do this, right? So true because their lives are changing as well. Very much so. I mean, obviously, it's, yes. but but it sounds obvious, but we're not addressing that need. We're getting there. I, we're so, or you guys are. I think that's We're getting awesome. there. We're getting there. So I, I, I would say, um, you know, if you are receiving uh, home care services, ask your home care provider. Okay. Because um, like I said, they're being trained. If you are receiving mental health services, I would ask them because we've also had a chance to train a good amount of f- folks in those spaces. Um, and a lot of times we I always have to remember this. I almost forgot it, Christina. Um, families who might be experiencing or excuse me, families who might receive services from their local um, board of DD or ID. Okay. We train those folks as well because we know that even for the spectrum of, you know, different developmental and intellectual differences, joy is everybody's language, right? We just figure out what yours is. So I would ask your provider if you're receiving services. And then the other easiest way is joyfultogether.org. Yeah. Just look on the website and see either a, how you could sign up to learn to, to train, but you know, cause I'm sure, you know, there's people out there. I, I know as soon as we're done, I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, cause I really want to learn how to train because for me, I feel like in just a couple minutes, if I can, if I can give families one thing, like yes. I love the different things that um, that you guys did. And before we wrap up, I would like for each of you to share exactly how, you know, what your, your, what did you call it again? The joy, what did you call the joy language? Joy language. Oh, like, yeah. What's your favorite? <laughs> and, um, you know, so that they can at least try that one thing at home mm-hmm. and, uh, and just really want to encourage everyone to get in touch. I, I'm so inspired by the work that you both are doing and just can't thank you enough for being here because it, it gives me goosebumps that, um, yes. that you're doing this and because there is such a need and it's so, so important. And, um, Dr. Sarah, I forgot one thing. Yeah, please thing do. You're like, how can parents get it? Like, duh. Uh, we actually have an open grant this year um, where um, parents in Medina, Summit, and Lorraine County, um, we actually have an open grant where they don't have to be associated with any services, no income level. doesn't matter if they have a kid three months to 10 years old. We actually are bringing Joyful Together to them. 
And since it is where we're learning from them also, like, hey, can you do this survey? Tell us, like, how you like Driftwood or not. Um, there's an incentive involved. So wow. um, after it, it's like six play sessions where we're like, try these different ones. Give us feedback. And so after each session, there is a $10 thank you, you know, gift card. That's so nice. kind of like a $60 gift card. So get enjoy put together for free um, if you're in Medina Summit or Lorraine County. Should have said that first, right? No, I'm glad you didn't. I'm glad you didn't forget. I really am, and I'm I'm cracking up at myself because I, I think I think I've said wow like 20 times because I I literally am blown away and really want to encourage anyone who takes care of children. You yes, know, yes. no matter who it is, you know, it could be a grandparent, could be an aunt, could be anyone. You know. Um, to, to really look Even into it. Even if you're it. not custodial, we're working on training um, peer supporters who support families who maybe there has been some disruption in, in custody. Well, that's an ace in itself, right? Right. Even if it's in a room like today, a supervised visitation, we want that mom, dad, whomever, to know that Joyful Together is a way that, without me crying, Joyful Together is still a way that you can keep that bond going with that kiddo because the goal is often preservation, reunification. Yeah. Well, we still did something in the meantime, between time that was joyful and picked that back up. We talk about transitions. We mean it for that as well. Yeah. And even, um, you know, we're training peer supporters, a part of um, Ohio Start, which is like the state's, um, you know, sobriety, recovery and prevention initiative. And we're training the, the peer supporters because we know that Joyful Together, um, Christina mentioned it about the endogenous opioids, right? The artificial joys are what sometimes put us on the need for recovery services. Yes. But if we can fill those gaps, like literally, physiologically, fill those gaps with real, genuine, endogenous or internal joy. Um, but that also cuts down on more ACEs for the kiddo because we know experiencing a family member with substance use disorder um, becomes an ACE. But Joyful Together helps combat the long-term impacts, right? Instead of four years worth of like bouncing back, four years worth of turmoil, what if we can cut that down some, build some resiliency, build some hope? And I love that you are doing this in that early age. Early intervention is is so important. So thank you. Well, before we go, tell me the tool you like to use the most. Yes. Um, or one, teach. One small shameless plug is if you're also looking for any of our other services, you can go to ohioguidestone.org and there's like a request for services form yes. on there and someone will reach out and kind of talk with you about um, whatever's available in your area. Um, oh, good. But yeah. my favorite activity, I'm stuck between two, I'll <laughs> share with my kids, um, with my little guy, our favorite is I love you echoes. So I say, I love you in a crazy voice and he is barely talking, but he copies me yes. and then he does it and I do it. And it's just one of the most favorite things we do together. Um, and most recently we've took a little spin off of what uh, an activity called the director, which basically you give somebody um, like a, Hey, stand on one foot and they do it. It's really fun. We changed it to do something cool. Okay. So my daughter like does something cool. So she like flaps around like a fish and then me and dad and her brother have to copy. And okay. then she picks who get, else gets to do something cool. And yeah. it's just, it's really funny and really fun. And it doesn't take it. time. Nope. I love that. I might use that on my husband. We, well, yes. <laughs> yes. we, we recommend doing yes. joyful with adults. Yes. 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 It, uh, sometimes when you're standing in a meeting, just oh, gotta well, we do break it, it up a time. little bit. Yeah, <laughs> co-regulate. No matter how old you are, right? That's self-regulation. It's a scam. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so, so for my household, um, this is my husband's natural language. So, um, I guess it's a tie for our household between uh, crazy laugh echoes, laugh echoes, which crazy laugh echoes, oh, crazy which my laugh husband echoes. leads, and I can't even replicate it. Um, dance party, I love to mm-hmm. dance, no matter what. Uh, lately, the dance party is uh, helping my ten year old before a basketball game dance into. Um, like the Spider-Man? Is there a song of a Spider-Man? Like, let's start a riot. Um, like it gets her excited. And then I, I would say I have to share my, my favorite one-on-one one is Wizard Kisses. Oh, yeah. And describe that again. If um, you don't mind. Sh- oh, sh- sh- Okay. But I, you got to catch it the way I sent it. Oh, and then now I have to do it. Yeah. And then do mm-hmm. I do this? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, I, I've had so much fun today. And... Uh, just grateful that you guys took the time and came all the way up here. And everybody, I really want you to, you know, no matter where you're at, like you guys said, we we focus on the whole person and we meet them where they're yes. at. So wherever you are at today, please go to joyfultogether.org and ohioguidestone.org yes. and take a look. And thank you again, Christina and Brittany. I'm blessed that you guys spent some time with me and with our audience. Thank you. And thank, thank you. you for doing this podcast. It's, it's just it's so needed to support parents. So thank you. Thank you. And don't forget to listen to Growing Up with Dr. Sarah, wherever you listen to your shows. And let's just do the best we can to grow up together. <laughs> <laughs>